Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, July 1st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Sporting Kansas City, KCNWSL, and international soccer on today's show with the stars Sean Goodwin, Briar Napier, and Cora Hall. Sporting keeps rolling. They're just playing wonderfully right now, and there's plenty to discuss about the team and about Jean-Luc Abusio. His play has been outstanding, and we wonder how much longer he'll be a member of the team with all the interest he's getting from European clubs. KCNWSL continues to do everything right off the field while looking for its first victory. They're getting closer, losing a heartbreaker to Washington last weekend. Maybe that first triumph is around the corner. Finally, we discuss the UEFA Championship Euro 2020. It's been marvelous theater, and one of the members of our group has a strong rooting interest in the outcome. We'll let you figure it out as we go along. Okay, let's get started talking soccer. It's our weekly soccer gathering with beat writer Sean Goodwin and our, uh, what do we, I don't want to call you intern. You're, you are interns, but you guys have been working your butts off, uh, as interns should, but I feel like you're part of the you know full-time staff members. Uh, but anyway, Cora Hall and Briar Napier are here as well. It's good to see you guys. Great talking soccer with you. Let's start with Sporting Kansas City today. Those they just they, they just keep winning. They just keep winning. They just keep winning, and they do it dramatically. And here's what: so I'm, I watched the entire um, LAFC game this weekend, and the atmosphere just seemed as good as as it's been it's, for a while. Yeah, it feels like this crowd's they're, they're really getting behind a team. Not just obviously. You know, fans are usually behind the team. But they can almost sense something special within the group. And I think that's the difference. And, I, you know, I mean, we talk about all that come from behind wings. That's now our five wings this season from uh, come from behind positions. The tie, and as we were saying before the podcast, goes 16 points in 12 games. That ties the previous two years combined from points from come behind positions. So... It's not one of those where, you know, we sent something special for the team, obviously second in the standings. But, you know, usually, especially in soccer, because, you know, goals are kind of hard to come by, obviously. If your team falls behind, it's kind of like, ah, you know, can we come back? Because sports and teams are like, ah, we can see the first. We'll come back. It's fine. Which it isn't the best, not mentality, but the best kind of trend to be in. But... I mean, showing you've got the mentalities come out of it, yeah. It kind of spares on the fan base. Well, not only that, but it, it also shows a confidence in a team that doesn't... Uh, now, look, they, they haven't overcome 2-0, have they? Or 3, just 1-0, yeah. uh, which was... The, I'm not, and I'm not diminishing that. Yeah. But anyway, it's, it's a team with that must have a ton of confidence right now mm-hmm. and feels so good about itself with... Um, uh, to, they're, as, as we mentioned, down one nothing. They went two to one over LAFC. It's just uh, uh, a terrific victory. So uh, goals by Alan Polito, who I just think is a special player. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. think he's a special player and should be starting for Mexico. I am sure he would have made this gold cup if it wasn't for the laceration on his foot. Right, gets the laceration on the foot. Yeah, that looked good. Yeah. I saw the, tw- the, yeah, the Instagram the photo? photo. Yeah, that was, yeah. looked gnarly. Well, <laughs> chatting to Peter earlier, if you have a sense it's a stomach, close your ears right now. Uh, but he was saying, yeah, you know, when it was crash, 
you, you can move his foot and you can see the tendons and everything moving inside the foot. It was it was deep. Uh, it, you know, at this point, it's just healing the skin. You know, they cleaned it out, so they've stitched it up. So there's nothing bad about it. Yeah, it's just, it's going to take a couple of weeks to fully heal up. Right. Um, so he gets the, the first goal, and, yes. you know, Mr. Goal Scorer himself, uh, Daniel Shallowy, with the second goal. You talk about a confident player. Uh, confident this player, guy, it's, it's like, you know, 180 in, in terms of his confidence. But, um, uh, so the MLS does a team of the week every week, basically an all-star team based on the based on the results and the individual play of the week. And so Buzio is on the all-MLS team for the week without statting. He mm-hmm. did not have an assist. He didn't have a goal. What was it about his play that allowed him to get this honor? Uh, at this point, it's what you're seeing every week. And obviously, it's part of the reason why he's been in the team several weeks now and that. Uh, you know, you look at his team of the week saying, I think it's uh, when MLS pucks come out, Aldi goal, whoever it is, and there's a big red thing around all the players, and there's a couple of players tosses about who don't have that because he didn't score. Um, Buzio was one of those guys, and it's been like a couple of times now just because, you know, especially with injury issues for Sporting, you know, Ilya's dropped back, Remy Walsh is out. Buzio's dropped things like number six role, so we shouldn't be expecting him to see, expect to see goals from him right now. But it's the long-range passing, it's the vision, it's controlling the midfield. And one of the things that people have kind of criticised him about in the past, even earlier this season, was losing 50-50 balls. And, I mean, you watch him in that game, you know, of course, like every play, you might lose one or two in a game. But he's he's winning those 50-50s, he's winning tackles. I remember seeing a, a very specific play in the first half. I forgot who exactly it was for LA with the ball. Uh, they took on a player or two sports in KC and Buzio, he could have lunged right in. Or what they teach you as a young age for the top players is don't just lunge in, you wait for the moment to, you know, make a tackle. And yeah, Buzio, he took a step or two back as soon as there was a heavy touch. Boom, he was in, ball away. It's just it's that knowledge, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. Not that there's been much news since last week, but the whole European transfer rumours and there's a reason he's getting those looks because he's just it's not just being a athletic fast player it's the intelligence to know when to make a pass when to make a tackle it's all there for the kid I think something to add on with uh, and obviously we know by now that like Peter Vermees and Sporting KC system is the 4-3-3 and so and to be a number six in the 4-3-3 is that's a role with a lot of responsibility because if you're in this coverage, or if there's if you're prone to be making mistakes, your back line's going to get burned a lot because you're that a kind of uh, patroller yeah. until uh, for that back line. But like for Peter Vermees to put in a teenager in that role, it just shows to how much confidence he has in his abilities, and same for Busio as well, um, and just being knowledgeable of how to get the best out of him and. It's showing right now because he is a critical cog in the engine that's leading what I believe is the MLS's top scoring team at the moment, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's a it's it's a critical cog. And like when slash if Busio leaves, I mean obviously there's Sporting when healthy has a great midfield all around. Uh, Ilya who's been playing center back couldn't. I mean he is his number is literally number six, so he could slide back in, but. Uh, 
but even then, like when slash if Busio leaves, it's going to be a big loss. And that's that says a lot out of someone who is 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so what is the latest? Uh, Galicia's transfer wise. Yes, and like, I'll, let, in, yeah. so let's just say we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, a little bit after noon on, on Wednesday. News can happen any time between now yeah. and when this is posted. But what what is the latest on Busio? Um, nothing really to report, to be honest. Sporting remaining tight-lipped. All I can really say is, you know, based off, you know, what else we see online and what our Sassuolo was was the front runner, it seemed. And there was talks about how, you know, they were talking to KC, but no agreements have been reached. And now they're saying an offer hasn't even been submitted by Sassuolo. And it's, yeah, like, I mean, honestly, I wish I'd tell you more, but it's just, it's, interest is there. And I think a big part that a lot of people don't realise is, you know, he's got 18 months left in his contract. It's either sell him in the summer now, uh, you can try and sell him in January after the season, but European teams can typically spend a lot of money or buy midway through the season. And if you wait till next summer, he's got six months left in his contract, and then he can start talking to teams and leave on a free. Sports and don't want to miss that money. So I think, you know, Rye was saying if slash when, it, I, I mean, one, because of his talent, and I just think, because, you know, if about it, he's going, and I honestly do think because of the contract situation and the interest, it's going to be this season. It just depends on how much money, when it happens, uh, um, if there's add-ons, which I think there probably will be, uh, stuff like that, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm interested to see if, like, if a move does happen this summer, are we going to see a situation like what just happened to Caden Clark, a similarly talented uh, midfielder for New York Red Bulls? Who, granted, this was with the felt within the Red Bull uh, system as well because he had a move to Red Bull Leipzig in uh, Germany, but the move there was Leipzig has his rights now as a player because they have him, but now he's been loaned back. To Red Bulls for the rest of the MLS season. Obviously, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I was thinking too. Brings the Aaron's thing had the exact same as well. Wouldn't, exactly. that, wouldn't yeah. that be a, be- a best case scenario for sporting? It'd be best case. I think a big part of it is, again, Kays and Clark. I, I'm slightly surprised he's being allowed to stay on because it's so early in the summer. Uh, brings the Aaron's thing, that deal was made later. And, you know, whoever brings in Buzio, um, it could be a case of if it's later in the summer, you know, we don't want to bring him right before the season starts. So it'll be like finish your season, come in, have a little bit of off season, coming fresh for the second half. Um, and then the other big part is I'm not sure the details specifically of the Case and Clark deal, uh, but Brendan Aronson, there was six million upfront, and then there's other add ons of international appearances, goal scores, um, a sell on percentage. Obviously, he was going back. So that's all stuff that's sports and you know, want to look at as well. So fancy, oh, only 6 million because a lot of people are saying, oh, Buzio should be 10, 12, 15 million, which for a young American as well, it's, <laughs> you, you question it. So it, yeah, I think around 6 million would be fair, uh, but it's those add-ons of international appearances and of course a sell-on fee if he goes on to play for Juventus or someone, there'll be a nice chunk of change there too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hey, let's switch to uh, KCNWSL. Getting closer to a victory, Cora. They're getting closer. How um, um, the, the last result 
Washington, uh, two to one loss. Three to one. Oh, wait, no, two to one. Two to one, sorry. Two to one. I'm just going to say right now, like, I think Twitter is familiar with the fact that uh, we're blaming Sean for this one. Yeah. (laughs) Sean gets blamed for a lot of things. Um, Did you see Twitter blaming me for that? No, I did not. You, you openly I said, uh, like, "I'll leave." I like, went. if I, I'm coming at halftime, and if they lose, it's my fault. Yeah, but I, I, I was exposing KC for the double header. Um, technically, I a nice offer and WSL because Cora had it covered. So I was like, "Grace," and then you go one nil up early, and it's half time, and it's one nil, and I'm like, "How am I missing the first NWSL win?" So I get my ass out there, and then all of a sudden they lose two one with late goals, and everyone's blaming me. So. Okay, well, just, just, just to be scientific about this, what was the score uh, when Sean wasn't there? It was 1-0. One, 1-0. One one yeah. And what was the final score? So hang on. Then you arrive, and then what's the final score? 2-1. Two, 2-1. One. Two, one. Okay, I just I – just, um, I don't think Twitter was wrong is what, I, that's what I'm saying here. Uh, no, uh, what, what a heartbreaking loss though, right? At least it looked like they could have gotten a draw from this. Yep. Late goal, really late. Extra well, it was, yeah, yeah. And it, it was, you know, all jokes aside, it was, you know, 75 minutes of them playing like a winning team, which, you know, they fully earned that win until, you know, two moments, you know, he talked about, you know, those moments. And it, and it really was because they weren't getting, you know, baited into trying to force the ball through the midfield. They did really well to to play the ball up and wide and, and capitalize on those opportunities, especially with, you know, Jessica Silva, like she, she had a really good game. Um, she made a lot of impact there. She had the assist and it was, you know, the young talent on the spirit that kind of took uh, advantage of those moments that they got and they punished yeah. us for them. Um, you know, and, and there's not much you can, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think a big part of it, sorry, Blair, it looks like you're ready to talk. Cool. Uh, no, no, please. <laughs> um, I think a big part of it is in past games, you know, and I talked about this last week as well, so I won't kind of, I'll just kind of gloss over it, but it was a good 2-6 issue as well with two sixes, and Desi Scott and Gabby Vincent are great, but the problem was playing up, you know, Casey had to actively be stuck in her own half. Uh, again, I missed the first half of the Washington game, but at least from what I saw from the 25 minutes before it all went to hell, playing with, uh, you know, the double eight or the eight in the ten, where you've got Lola Bonter out there and um, trying to think who we had Victoria Pickett in the midfield from. Those attacking players gave it on the front foot. They obviously scored first. And as you were saying, Cora, what Hugh said, it was moments. It wasn't a barrage and they finally broke through. It was literally moments. So, you know, you, you close up those moments, you maybe get a little bit of luck. And yeah, it's a win because they're not holding on for dear life. They're on top of the game. And it's partly because of the midfield changes, but then you let moments kill you. Well, and it was just. It felt like really, um, I don't know, it was a really poor feeling after the game because, you know, Washington wasn't pushing the pace. They weren't exactly. getting opportunities on yeah, exactly. goal. They weren't knocking at that door. Like, you weren't expect, you weren't on the edge of your seat like, oh, my gosh, we're about to give up a goal. Like, you know, can we hold on? It was it was NWSL, like Casey NWSL the whole time, yeah. you know, pushing the pace, creating these opportunities that, like, you know, it was kind of the same, like, as the first half against Orlando. They were actively yeah. creating those opportunities and it was kind of like their offense was the best defense so you know stay on that yeah. front foot. And it wasn't like it was washington playing bad it was kind mm-hmm. of city playing good right so, right yeah. and we haven't been able to say that at least for maybe you know 75 minutes or but but this was also you know with the addition now of silva this was their strongest lineup right that they've 
Yeah, close they're, to they're, close they're, they're yeah. at full strength. It's close to full strength as they've been they still, all year. Yeah, they still have some players out. You know, Elizabeth Ball went out. Um, she wasn't in this game. She's usually on the back line. And um, someone who got hurt when Kate DeFalvo went in. Um, Taylor Leach got hurt. Yeah, she got kind of uh, hurt again. Technically, Desi Scott, she's already left for Canada. But Gabby Vincings is being so excellent too. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can, you know throw away what Desi's done her career and how good she is still but it's not like it's a major downgrade it's right like right amazing, so. yeah. well pretty soon they're gonna they're gonna be down three uh, with uh, Olympians right yeah. Chloe Legarzo is on the Australian team Katie Bowen New Zealand and as you mentioned Desiree Scott with uh, with the Canadian team so yeah um, before hey before we take a break Cora I wanted to ask you about a story that you wrote it's, uh, it's on KansasCity.com I think it was in the print editions of the Star mm-hmm. today right Definitely, I read it on KansasCity.com. The headline is, Women's Soccer uh, Foundation in Kansas City, where advocacy, inclusion, uh, devotion take front row seats. Tell me about this story. Um, How did it originate? And just take us through the reporting of it. Yeah, so I came up with this story idea because um, just like on Twitter, people I know, like women's soccer fans, they have a different feel about them. They have a very strong passion for like specifically women's soccer and I wanted to talk to fans to kind of get an idea of what's that driving force you know what's with these supporter groups and why are they so I don't know popular they just have something about them and so I went to talk to the blue crew and you know one of their organizers drives from Des Moines like every game and I I was kind of shocked to hear that and it's just kind of a testament to how how much they care about this team and how much they're here for like the long run they're not they're not just you know show up to a game every once in a while like they're they're at every game and they don't plan on leaving so what is the blue crew they're the fan supporter group that's associated okay. with Kansas City NWSL and and from what I could tell they're you know have worked with the Longs and have really enjoyed working with Chris and Angie so that's definitely a different tone than the last ownership group so I talked to them on Pride Night and we kind of got into how you know the fight for women's soccer and that visibility and support in the sports world is, you know, very similar, kind of intertwined with the fight for, you know, the LGBTQ community um, and their fight for visibility and their fight for validation in the sports world and how that that kind of relationship has led to this bond of, you know, the, the Blue Crew talked about how a lot of their supporters are members of the LGBTQ community and the Pride Night was filled with, you know, over 5,000 people. And it was just this atmosphere of acceptance and of, you know, this is what we care about and this is what we're here for. You know, this is part of our mission and everyone just seems very on board with it, you know. Um, So it was really, it was a really cool story to hear, you know, how these things are intertwined and how they've kind of always been present, especially with very high profile, you know, LGBTQ players like Megan Rapino and Abby Wambach. It was like one of the first, you know, besides WNBA to have very high profile players come out and, you know, really be visible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of how that came about. And I'm, you know, happy to have had people share their experiences with me. You got a couple of likes that you liked. Oh, yeah, it was it was fun to see, you know, Lauren Holiday and, uh, you know, Megan, Meg Linehan from The Athletic kind of give it some love. So. It was. I, I'm just glad it resonates with people because obviously this is a story that you know I found interesting and thought was important. So it's it's nice to see that other people are engaging with it, and this is something that they care about as well. It's on KansasCity.com uh, and in the print editions of the Kansas City Star Wednesdays 
newspaper. Okay, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're also going to talk a little bit more about um, pride in, in, in a team, in a country, in a sport, and, um, and Sean will take us through that conversation when we return. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We're back on Sportsbeat KC with Cora Hall, Briar Napier, and Sean Goodwin. I want to talk about Euro 2020 slash 21. But first, Sean, let's we, we we were remiss by not mentioning when we talked about uh, uh, Jean-Luc Abusio in the first part of the show. He is now, for the first time, um, a national team member. Yes, a full senior national team member. He was called up uh, by the time this releases this morning by the U.S. national team, U.S. Soccer Federation, announced a Gold Cup roster. And yeah, after playing for the U15s and U17s for the last couple of years, he's now 19 years old, of course. And um, there's been speculation for, not speculation, but just, you know, pushes for him to make national team. And he's finally, finally got that call up for the Gold Cup. Going to play all three group games at Children's and Mercy Park. So basically a home game for him. So yeah, super exciting chance for him. And it's not going to be the last time we can say that right now. How much fun is it going to be to see a, a you know a, a sporting Kansas City player on oh, the, yeah. on his home field? I think we saw that with we've seen that in previous years with Graham Zusi and Matt, Matt Beasler and, uh-huh. and I think obviously Matt and Graham are the big ones because you know we were only, only ever plays in Kansas City and obviously right. Matt being from Kansas City, uh, but I think. With Buzio, it almost feels even different because obviously, you know, Max got hometown kids and Graham's, Graham's going to be a sporting legend once he retires, no doubt about it. But it was the fact that Buzio has, he's came up through the club's academy. He is a sporting Kansas City kid in the sense of they've had him since he was, what, 13, 14 years old, brought him all the way up, uh, signed a first team contract when he was 15. And as we talked about in the first segment, going off to Europe at some point. So to, to have him have that international call-up while he's still with Sports in Kansas City, that's huge, not just for him, it's huge for the club as well, to basically show, you know, we're developing these kinds of players now. And I'm sure the book won't just stop at him, whether next up it's Jalen Lindsay at some point. You know, you've got Wilson Harris, who's a young kid coming up. It's, it's hopefully the first step, the first pavement slab to more players coming out of Spang- coming out of Kansas City onto the international stage. Yeah, I think it, to go even further than that, it's huge. I think for American soccer as a whole because it can pr- it uh, Buzio has proven like like you mentioned, just like it's coming from an MLS academy. It's proven that the the growth of the game in US has gotten to this point now where 
people are where you have pl- young players being found in America, uh, scouted in America, and trained in America, all the way to the point to where they're national team members. Yeah. Th- that's big. It's like, yeah, there still are. I mean, you, you still have heavy hitters that are uh, that say like Christian Pulisic, who have spent most of their time in uh, Pulisic, Pulisic. rating uh, you know, yeah. Guys, yeah. But even then, like, p- there's people like Weston McKinney. Weston McKinney was an FC yeah. Dallas Academy graduate, like. And then, just for example, so it's like it, it it's big for you. It's big for U.S. soccer that it's proven elite talent that can compete at a world stage. And so, and just to go off the thing of Busio, I mean, it's well deserved. I mean, it's uh, I think arguably he's. I mean, arguably he's been the best teenager in MLS this season, uh-huh. arguably, and like overall probably a top twenty twenty five player in the entire league. And so, I think. And I'm really excited to see just like what he can do at an international level in a major tournament. And it just helps that he's going to be playing all three of his group games in Kansas City. Yeah, before we move on, I'm trying to find a specific tweet now. But um, FopMob is an app slash website. Track all sorts of soccer stacks. If you don't have the app, if you don't have a website, check it out. Um, and I have not looked super deep into it, but they basically analysed all of the 60 players on the preliminary roster, which was before the announcement was made, and you know, gave, gave putting numbers in and came off the racing, and Buzio was the highest-ranked MLS player that. on that I... list. And yeah, he's not even 21 yet. And that's all MLS players, he was the number one. Uh, so if that doesn't say, like you said, best midfielder, best teenager... If Gak doesn't say something, I don't know what does. Well, major props to Jean-Luc Abusio. It's yeah. going to be great to yeah. see him. I think we should also give props to uh, Nicholas Giacchini, um, uh, who Casey Born, Casey Born, uh, lived in Overland Park, uh, moved from Casey when he was uh, when he was eight, but uh, also a member of the Gold Cup roster. Um, so, uh, congrats to him. Um, he made had a couple caps at the end of 2020, and now gets to play uh, in his town of birth uh, in a major tournament for the U.S. Very cool. Very cool. I got a press release on it. Really? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm serious. Like from his, like I got a press release saying he was picked. All right. So yeah. we're, sent, we're yeah. going with it. Yeah, Jeff sent Jeff sent me it. So oh, okay. yeah. Um. So, I, I, you know, I'm old. Um, what? You all know I'm old. What? So I've been around long enough to have been around. Kansas Jayhawks fans when they won the 2008 NCAA championship dramatically over over Memphis uh, in overtime for the Royals championship American League championship team of 14 in the World Series title team in 15 and for the Chiefs two Super Bowl appearances they won and lost so I, I think I have a sense of how you, you know I've lived among fans of these teams for more than 30 years here in Kansas City. So I know how I know how the fans felt when their teams won. And I was part of the you know, I went to the parades in each of them uh, and covered covered the parades and it's you know it's an elation maybe that's that's not comparable to anything else. A sports elation is just um I, I hope everybody gets a chance to experience their favorite team winning the the ultimate championship for for their sport. I bring this up because Sean, I want to ask you: Was England's two nothing win over Germany on Monday? No, yesterday, yesterday. Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, was that as 
Was that as good a result as you have ever experienced yeah. as a fan of, of yeah. English soccer? Yeah, of English soccer, maybe. Um, of soccer as a whole, no. I mean, obviously, I've had Liverpool. So I, let me stop you for a second. And I meant to include Sporting Kansas City's MLS Cup in 2013. Yes, of course. Continue. <laughs> and the reason I didn't was because I, I was not in I, I didn't cover that event. Mm-hmm. I was covering another event. Um, but anyway, continue. Yes. So soccer as a whole, I mean, I've had Liverpool. I've had two Champions Leagues in my life. Uh, obviously, the Premier League. I mean, I was in tears when we won the Champions League. So, But for England, yeah. Uh, it, it was a round of 16 game against Germany. It's not like we've just won a final. Uh, but you have to bet we'll go so when was the last time they beat Germany in a in an elimination game 1966 1966 yeah so, um, yeah, it wasn't like yeah. it was uh... and the most depressing part of that is in major tournaments England's has faced Germany more than any other or Germany, like if all the teams got Germany's faced they faced England more than any other team right. in major tournaments and they beat us in every single one apart from the 66 World Cup final um, you know, like, it was the Christ, 2006 World Cup, uh, where they beat us in the knockout rounds. It was the 1996 Euros, they beat us in the semi finals on penalties. Uh, so, and I, I mean, even just, you know, whether it's qualifying games and stuff, I, I've been alive for a good chunk of England, Germany games, and we never win. So, it was a, it was a weird feeling for sure. And it was just, you know, I don't want to talk about the rest of the Euros just yet and how we have an easy path, I think. <laughs> but to, to, to get the, past, to the final, yes, to the final. But to get past Germany in that fashion, where yes, they had a great chance at the end, and Timo Werner had a good chance, which was saved by Pickford and Kai Verks had a nice volley. But honestly, yeah, it's, you know, we hunkered down, and I, I've never been the biggest fan of that play style from England, but. At the end of the day, we haven't conceded a single goal this tournament. We've just beat Germany 2-0. Who am I to start <laughs> criticising the tactics when it goes to a quarter-final against Ukraine? <laughs> in Rome. In Rome. <laughs> right. Yeah. First time they won't have played in Wembley, yeah. right? And then if we win that, we go straight back to Wembley for the semis in the final. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. The fact, if it was a powerhouse team in Ukraine, I might be a little bit more worried. And I don't mean to, you know... Talk down on Ukraine, but it's, it's Ukraine. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Let's let's. Uh, Sorry, Ukraine. Yeah, for our Ukrainian listeners, um, that was Sean Goodwin who <laughs> down. Um, Dresses. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the manager had to uh, tamp down on the celebration yesterday, and and you know went to the media and said, "No, no, come on back. We haven't won anything." And oh yeah, feels like we have. That's <laughs> England football for you, right? But wasn't there at least until until England scored in the seventy fifth minute? I think to yeah, to open the scoring, on. weren't the nerves bubbling? Yeah, again, it's it's York saying if you know two teams play a game of football and Germany wins on penalties at the end, like it's <laughs> that's always how it goes. Um, I I was chatting to um, Hugh Williams and Lucas Rodriguez, one of the assistants for NWSL. Uh, we we all predicted England to lose on penalties just because, <laughs> you know, I mean, optimistically, I was like, you know, we've got a good team and whatnot, but it's Germany. We, we never beat Germany. Uh, but yeah, we, you know, we haven't won anything yet. And I think it's a little bit of the English arrogance of going forward against Ukraine. And then after that, if we win, it's Czech Republic, who we've literally beaten this tournament. And then Denmark, who 
we, we know Denmark's story of Christian Eriksson, but I've mm-hmm. always said the, the fairy tale ends at some point. How often does a fairy tale go on to win the championship? I'm sorry, but um, England is better than both of those teams too. So I'm just kind of like, it might be English arrogance, but beating Germany, that was our major obstacle before we get on to the final. Whether we win that, I don't know. <laughs> I, did, I did say last week and on Twitter that it would be very England-like for them oh, yeah. to have a historic win against Germany and oh, then yeah. completely fall flat against Ukraine. Surprise <laughs> me either. But. I think one of the, I, I, I don't have like super strong ties to any of these European national teams, but I think the best part about watching this is just it's been very exciting, and the fact that like the teams you are you know favored to win are just not winning. You know, Group F, which had. Portugal, Germany, and France, like, none of them made it past the first round. Like, I mean, that's just a more fun tournament to all watch. You've got, is a powerhouse. Yep, all you've got is a powerhouse England Yeah, left. that powerhouse <laughs> of England. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, the games, the, the two games on Monday were phenomenal. Oh, well, that's the, be- that's the best day of football I've ever seen. Uh, Four, sp- 14 goals over two games is yeah. bonkers. Spain, Croatia, and then Switzerland, France. And I've I mentioned this to Sean, that we have a great family friend who is – um, who lives in France, who's a big fan of, of the French national team. And so we were exchanging texts around midnight there, their, their time. Um, he's done with soccer, done, done with it, hates it, will never watch another game again. This from you know person who is in his lifetime, his team has won two World Cups. Yeah, look at him, <laughs> spoils. You cry in front of the trophy cabinet. <laughs> it's like my, my roommate after the Chiefs Super Bowl loss. Uh, he said he can never watch football again. I was like, Buzz, you won a Super Bowl a year ago. Like, calm down. Yeah, you're like learning the you've true... You've got Patrick Mahomes, come on. <laughs> you're learning the true, like, trenches of fanship. Right. And I'm from... Lost in I'm the a, Super Bowl. I'm a Detroit fan, so I know this very well. <laughs> yes, you do. You absolutely do, especially when it comes to your Lions. Um, that's for sure. Okay, as as always, I really have enjoyed the talk. And as always, I, I always learn something talking to you guys. So I appreciate it. Cora Breyer and Sean, and we'll do it again next week. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Links to stories about soccer can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website, and of course they appear first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. Here's how you get it. You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That's KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.com kansascity.com slash subscribe and if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers send me an email bkirkoff at kcstar.com and I will get you to the right place so whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription you're getting in supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC thanks for listening we'll be back on Friday with another episode